This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studio, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooker. We're on a journey. And we're on a journey that involves engaging with external content. You're here on Spooko. This is the podcast where Shag, my co-host, who's passionate about horror films, is trying to ease me into horror films as well. And I'm getting a little bit closer, but I'm still a little bit scared. Um, But it's also a journey of life and friendship. And one of the journeys of life that I went on about 20 years ago that I've been sort of reminiscing about recently is engaging in the battle rap scene. Oh, and fuck. Oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> Shag, don't worry. I'm not going to go out and start battle rapping again. Um, <laughs> and for anyone who doesn't know what battle rapping is, that's the deeply fucking shit, um, super played out and cringy, embarrassing, stand up on stage and freestyle rap insults to your and about your opponent. Right. And I used to do this 15, 20 years ago. Shag and I famously did it in Melbourne about 15, 20 years ago in the World Rap Championships. This is actually true. This is true. You can Google search Peach and mm. Shag Battle Rap and you will find a video of us from two decades ago in Melbourne, very fresh-faced, mm. doing street battles. And to be, to be fair, yes. I had never rapped before in my life. But Peach was like, do you want to come down and do these tag team battles with me? And I was like, you know what? I'll support my pal Peach. And I think I did okay. I think I did okay. It's reflective of both your excellence and the standard of Australian rap that you were at the height of the bell curve. You were completely fine and indistinguishable from people who'd been rapping five years. You were totally fine. You were really good. Um, But so what I've done is I've gone back and watched some old rap battles from Scribble Jam, which like 20 years ago was like Mm. the highlight rap battles. And, And look, like they've aged extremely poorly. And I thought I'd just sort of highlight a couple of elements. No, they're not going to be too and surprising. Prob- and it's probably important to note, like I remember from the mm. time, there was just like accepted straight up oh. prejudice, like homophobia, uh, any sort of misogyny. Like, and it was all under the guise that like, no, we're just, using, we're just saying anything to piss our opponent off. Ugh. But more often than not, those insults and the shit they said were just like, Deeply banter. Shag, it's just banter. Relax. It's just it's just a bit of hashtag bants. So um going back, the homophobia and misogyny was like and I assume remains absolutely fucking disgustingly rife. Heaps of racism, but exclusively anti-black. Like wow. the, like it okay. is solely like, hey, here's what I've got to say about your skin color or um, facial characteristics that are that are often um, uh, attributed, or, or physical characteristics that that are often attributed to the black experience, and it's just totally fine to be totally openly racist about black people, and just the most bizarre thing, like it's fucked, like it's absolutely unequivocally fucked without question. 
But just the bizarre thing is everyone being like, yeah, this is fine. This is like people are totally allowed to say this sort of thing. And it's like, how did, like, it's, it's fucking embarrassing to go, like, a, a huge, like, it's partly embarrassing to go back and watch it because you're like, this sucks. But the other reason it's hugely embarrassing is it's just like, it's so damaging to have these ideas spread around and shared. So, battle rap, fucking see you later. I've got no time for it. I'm embarrassed for it to have been part of my life. There, like, there are two other points I wanted to linger on. Yeah, I'm wondering where this is going. This is interesting. This was a stage where a lot of battle rappers were what's called freestyle rappers. So about 10 years ago, it switched to being all written ahead of time where you'd find out who your opponent was and you'd spend a week or two researching them and stalking them on social media and finding out about their financial position and their family and their background and really coming in to be surgically engaged with like trying to get really personal, really personally pick them apart. The, the battles I was watching were from an earlier time where freestyling was really valued, where you were just meant to come in and just come off the top of the dome, off the top of the head, and be like, whatever, I'm just making these insults up on the spot. And this was also a time where a lot of these freestyle rappers would just arrive on a rhyme scheme, and a rhyme scheme is what it sounds like. It's your sort of uh, set of words that, that that you want to rhyme with another set of words, your sort of wide scream, ice cream, nice dream, rhyme scheme type type thing. And the number of these freestyle rappers who, when they were panicking, would go into a really fast rhyme scheme and just hopefully, like, just be like, oh, hopefully I'm going to arrive at something on the way out. And what I can empathise with, because I used to be involved with this 20 years ago, is someone would be like, like, they start going like, wickety, wickety, blick, blickety, spinkety, spinkety, and it's just like, oh, God. And you're, like, watching someone panic like just in the depths in the grip of panic being like oh shit can someone come and save me from this like broken record that i've allowed myself to get caught up into and it sounds awful and watching it it's like those moments of the most kind of cringe watch moments of you know the office or whatever other tv series you want to choose with those those moments of the camera lingering for too long but um in about Two and a, two hours fifteen of content watching of this shit. There still are like one or two stunning moments of. Um, there's this one really dominant rapper. So called hang, on, Rap. hang on, hang on, hang mm. on. So that was like one giant Disney disclaimer. This film was made in an era yeah. when. So that was all that, just so we can get to a couple of really cool moments you saw in some old battle raps. Only one, only one good moment. <laughs> only guys. one good moment. Okay, yeah, cool. So there was about two, two hours. You of dedicated one moment. your life to this, and there's like yeah. one good moment that you can. And remember. it's pretty good, right? <laughs> and it's it's pretty good, but the thing I'm worried about is also kind of there's a little bit of you had to be there kind of element. <laughs> so. There's this rapper who's really dominating and he's obviously going to win the battle. And he ends it and he's like, look, this battle's done. It's over. Next time you want to battle me, come sober. And it's just like, that's a pretty good line. And I'm like, well, I've been watching two and a half hours of this shit and I've heard one pretty good line. And that's about the extent of it. So if you had passions as a younger person, um, don't go back to them. Go find some new ones. Uh, And that sort of leads me to the fact that I'm likely to watch another horror film pretty soon, Jake. All right. Well, I wanna I wanna linger on mm. your experiences with hip hop because it's relevant to today's episode. Mm. I remember in that era when you were you were battling and you were actually like getting up on stage and battling at these shows. Mm. And there was always this there was always this tension between people like us who were like what like we just kind of liked 
We liked, you know, we probably, I think the Beastie Boys were our way in, which is, you know, like hilarious. Yeah, it's super um, It was like, sort of like Will Smith and the Beastie Boys sort of got us into hip hop. And then we, <laughs> no, no, but like, I think that's like genuinely true. And then we just sort of found our way into like hip hop and we loved it and we wanted to be involved in it. Even was though, it Will you know, Smith? Oh, like one of his early songs, Boom Shake the Room, is like, one oh, of the earliest like songs. The, like I, the Australian embrace of rap music, yeah. Yeah, but I but I also mean like, yeah, I just mean like... No, don't you remember like we were listening to punk music and a few people were like, do you know the Beastie Boys have got early EPs where they make... That's, yeah. And it was like Aglio Olio. I have to be pretty defensive about the Will Smith. Like, I don't know if that, sh- like, if oh, that shares an insecurity of mine, I but was, I'm, I'm I, super defensive. I'm purely talking about myself. Like one of <laughs> the earliest songs I remember loving was Will Smith's Boom Shake the Room. I remember nice. being like, everything's changed i know i still know every lyric to that song well mine was uh michael jackson's dangerous so i'm <laughs> <laughs> pretty dangerous now yeah. hey? um, but 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 you know like we weren't we weren't really like you know we weren't really part of the culture mm. as as a lot of like the earlier adopters you know and the original sort of hip-hop heads in australia were yeah and I remember there was this one event where Peach was up on stage and someone basically showed up to fight Peach yeah. based on an opinion. Like, and really, like, it was a genuinely tense, scary situation where we were like, oh, and he was like an old, big old guy, like way yeah. older than us. And it was genuinely like, oh, this guy is going to fight Peach. And the reason why he wanted to fight Peach was that Peach made an offhand comment about an Australian rap group in a column and it wasn't even it wasn't even like these guys suck i said they were whack yeah which is like old-fashioned way of saying they were like they suck (laughs) but but it was it was one of these things where like peach kind of like as an offhand comment just said something about something in in the context of a review and Mm. it became real for these people and yes i think it's really important to note in this in this show Peach will often have opinions about things and start beefs. And I just need you to know they are meaningless to him. Like, <laughs> you don't, you don't, you like, and it's the same for us. It's like, you don't even think about them again. Like they don't, they don't, they don't stay in your brain after the recording ends. Oh, me. Like I'll just yeah. throw off some something yeah. and be like, how much does Peach hate this? And I'm like, do yeah. I hate that? How much do I hate that? Yeah. This is kind of what I mean. Like we will get people being like, Hey, I wanted to talk about this, but I know Peach hates it. And it's like, Oh, you've got to understand. Like he doesn't care. Like he, <laughs> I've he, got the beef memory of a goldfish. <laughs> you do. You've got, you have the beef memory of a goldfish when like, and even though you stand by your prey review, like people were genuinely upset by you not liking prey. And, I don't think that I don't think Prey has ever kept you up at night once. <laughs> I, like even now, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess it could be pretty good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> everyone else seems to have stronger feelings about it than I do, and I'm happy to defer <laughs> to those stronger feelings. So I so I guess as well, and the, you know, the same applies to me. Like I remember when we talked about X, the Ty mm. West film from last year, the A24 production. I remember being like, oh, this is pretty good, but like. Why is everyone making a big deal about it being, this is a Ty West film? And, like, I think we had a whole episode where we basically paid that out. And, Peach, I want to say, like, I've now seen Pearl, which we're going to talk about today. And it's maybe one of the greatest horror films of all time. So maybe a Ty West film is a big deal. Well, uh, I can spend my time, rather than watching old battle rap, watching this film. (laughs) 
so that I may get far, far away from this place. Now, caring for your family during these times is admirable. But you only get one take at this life. If only they would just die. Pardon? Nothing. I want to be special, dancing up on the screen like the pretty girls in the pictures. I will not let you leave this farm again. I'm worried there may be something real wrong with me. I know what I've done. Bad things. Terrible, awful, murderous things. I want to be loved from as many people as possible. But truth is, I'm not really a good person. I do love a complete aesthetic. Oh. I really do love a like, yep, we thought about it all. Yeah. And Shag, is there some? Is there a death in there where someone turns to pink mist? Oh God, I wish that would have made this a ten out of ten. Shag approves. Okay, whatever. Only nine and a half. The nine and a half because there's no pink mist. But you know what? What mm. I love about this film, beyond the actual film itself, mm. is this is a story about the need to be creative, right? So X, the original film was filmed in 2001, sorry, it was filmed in 2021 Mm. in New Zealand, which I think at the time was pretty much the only country where you could film. Okay. We were still in lockdowns. We were still in the grip of COVID. And I mean, sorry, we are still in the grip of COVID, but we were still in the grip of uh, sort of global lockdowns. Mm. But in New Zealand, there was some loophole where people could film. So Ty West wrote, did everything for X, but... The star of the like the star of two roles of X, Mia Goth, while they were filming it, he was working on a story with Mia Goth that initially was just going to be the backstory for the main character Pearl. You know how like yeah. like like uh, we're movie makers now, so we understand. <laughs> but you know, you might go in, you might create a story around the backstory of a character, so mm. you really can get into character. Um, yeah, I love that's yeah. what I did for Snipsy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and while they were writing it, they were like, Hey, maybe this could be a film. And because lockdowns were happening, they were like, like, while we have the opportunity, let's just make another film. So as soon as they stopped filming X, they started filming Pearl using the same sets. I believe the crew were currently working on James Cameron's avatar way of water, which I've never seen. I don't think I'll like, I half of me kind of wants to see it. Is that one of those bizarre cultural artifacts that I think has still made like $2 billion but no one's seen it kind of yeah. thing? Yeah. Well, I think people immediately forget it once they see it. So okay. it's that thing where it's like I think part of me wants to see it but I don't think I'll ever get around to seeing it. But anyway, so 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 he just borrowed their crew who were having a break <laughs> to just film this film. And I think when you consider how slapdash something like that could, mm. it's – it's just like endlessly creative and engaging. It's one of those things where you know where you know when you're listening to a really good battle rap and you're like, oh, this <laughs> this rapper's got it. Like you just know. And this is a film where from the moment it starts, you just know you're in for a treat. Can't wait. So 
It it begins in 1918 during the influenza pandemic where people were where like I remember when COVID was on, people were like, you know, this happened before. And it's that it's it's sort of a mirror of what was happening at the time, you know, people mm-hmm. avoiding each other, people wearing masks, people having to sort of isolate all of those things. Real eyes up situation. A real eyes up <laughs> I love all these throwbacks to Spooko Studios hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the, like they're the best. I still can't listen to the first hundred episodes of Spooko, so I'm hoping they're <laughs> hoping they're as fun as I dimly recall. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. So Pearl is a young woman living with her German immigrant parents on their Texas homestead while her husband Howard serves in World War One. And they they do a, a lot of really nice, I guess, scene setting at the beginning where we discover how difficult their life is. So before we get to really any plot, and to be honest, for the first half an hour of the film, I was like, I, I like I don't know where we're going. Like I genuinely don't. We're just learning about this girl Pearl and her, her like really tough living situation. Pearl's father is infirm and paralyzed. From we we take we are we we sort of infer it's from from the influenza, and okay. essentially he's in a wheelchair and he's basically catatonic. He okay. can he can kind of move his eyes a little bit. You know, you hear him breathe. He, his breathing might escalate when things are happening, but essentially he's he's in a he, he's by all intents and purposes he's in a coma. He's in a waking okay. coma. Ruth, her mother is a very domineering mother, basically controls Pearl and essentially insists that she help care for both him and the farm. So Pearl feels very much trapped and the experience is a very joyless one. The mum is not like, is, is a very stereotypical German mother, like withholding of any real emotion. Um, the farm is completely isolated. No one's around and she has to care for the farm and her father. I assume you're aware there is a like stereotypical German mother talk. Like that's like a <laughs> no, sub, I'm not. Yeah, it's I'm like a sub all. a subdivision of TikTok where there are like three or four creators that I get served from time to time who are like, here's what well, this is what it's like to have a German mum. And it's like I'm like, oh, that's classic. So when you say you know what it's like to have a domineering German mum, there is this stereotype that apparently they're like super cold, but also really like up in your like well like the stereotype is they're really cold but also really like up in your life and like judging every decision you're making as well <laughs> so that sounds like good fun i get it i'm with you no offense to the german moms out there like you're no. trying you're trying your best although if you were to battle rap a german mom <laughs> <laughs> actually you know what sorry to digress even further but one mm. of my favorite things are memes from very niche communities where the memes don't make any sense to you. Like where I work, there's a lot of developers as in like code developers Mm. and they'll often share memes that all the developers will like laugh react to. And it's usually stuff like the code you think you are versus the code she told you not to worry about sort of thing. (laughs) And it's just the best. It's like, I love this. Or it's like, what happens when, you know, the the person puts the code in versus what happens when I put my code in? And it's just like, I don't know, it's amazing. Like law versions that have like, you know, like the brief I thought I was drafting and like what I said to the judge. And I'm like, oh, classic stuff. (laughs) All right. Okay. Anyway, Mm. Ruth, uh, 
Infirmed father, German mum, mm. you get the gist. Yeah, she's saying you're having too much carbohydrates at breakfast. Yeah, with you. Pearl, longing for a more exciting life, is captivated by the films she sees at the local cinema that she secretly sees. So whenever her mum asks her to go into town to get stuff, she puts mm. on her mask and she sees a film while she's there and then she comes back and then pretends she lost some money along the way. From these films, and remember, this is like one of the other things while I was watching these. These are films from like 1918. So they're silent films with like yes. flapper girls dancing. I am so unbelievably glad Grateful, I don't yep. live in an era where that's my entertainment. Shag, like we carry around phones that have access to like every piece of information and every piece of media we could possibly be interested in at all times. I'm playing a game at the moment where the main character, Link, because it's one of the Zelda games, the main mm. character, Link, has a power where he can just attach anything to anything else and just build machines. Like, I can just, on the train home, on my, like, small commutes, I can just play this game where I can just go into a fantasy world and build whatever I want. I can watch every game of the rugby league competition in Australia, like, that occurred over the past four years for free. <laughs> And she had to travel like 10 miles on a bike to see a silent film with flapper girls. To pay to, to pay to do it, yeah. <laughs> to pay to see. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but that's what she dreams of being. She dreams mm. of being a chorus girl, which her mom disapproves of because mm. her mom is often basically like, you have to accept what you have. Yes. And in this case, Pearl's like, I can't. Like, this is, this is too suffocating. Now, the film does a really good job to not be like, this is why Pearl is the way she is, mm. because from early on, and even her mum gives hints of noticing it, Pearl shows signs of psychopathy. So we know that she sort of kills farm animals for no real reason, mm. and she just subtly physically abuses her father, who obviously can't fight back but is aware of everything that's happening to him. So, like, that's a, I, that's a fairly good sociopath developmental tell, isn't it, Gooey, yeah. that you sort of torture animals and stuff? Yeah, and I think my understanding is, and again, you know, Adele would have a better understanding of this and other people would have a better understanding of this, but it, it, it's not even really like, I, I think those labels aren't really used by professionals anymore. It's more like, it's more a mix of things, like you'd have a personality disorder mm. and then like a, a aggression, like it... That idea of sociopathy, I don't know, still holds water as like yeah. a thing. They're probably just a bit cuckoo, yeah. But yeah, they're probably just a bit whoop Yeah, they're a bit gaga, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, the, the killing farm animals early on has always been a bit of a tell. At the movie theatre, Pearl meets a young tr projectionist who takes a liking to her. So on one of her trips, she meets this projectionist mm. who she sort of flirts with a little bit. While riding her bicycle home... She notices like a scarecrow in a field next to the farm she's riding by. So she stops, she steps into the cornfield, pulls the scarecrow down. And like the scarecrow's made really well where the face of the scarecrow just looks really real. Yeah, and you, you're so, we're so suckered into horror films where the whole time you're like, is this scarecrow going to be like, is this a monster? Is it going to come to life? And of course it's not because X is is there's no supernatural entities in X, and that was never the point. And it was never going to be okay. the point of this film. But she starts dancing with the scarecrow and then sort of puts it on the ground and starts just, like, dry humping it. And it's a really 
twisted, dark scene. Not because, not because it's like, oh my god, like I, again, like we're not like a kink shaming, you know, mm. like podcast. You can do whatever the hell you want, but it's the it's the weird blending of fantasy and reality that happens in this scene. Because at one point, I think she's 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 either just climaxed or she's about to climax, and mm. she notices the head of the scarecrow turns into the head of the protect, projectionist, and she jumps off and slaps it and is like, "No, I'm married." And then leaves. I don't have a problem with that, I don't think. Do I? I think that's fine. I think it's just a great scene. It's it's yeah, a okay. it's a very twisted scene. And yeah, I nice. think I think the trick it's the same with like, you know, when we talk about how like God, it always comes down to hip hop, but like brag raps are an R, right? Like yeah. People who are like, oh, people only talk about money are missing the point where it's like brag raps. Like finding new ways to talk about bragging about money is an art. Yeah. And at least a craft. Yeah. And, you know, like even on the new Drake record where he makes that, where he makes that line, where he says something along the lines of all you rappers still taking um, selfies on your golf streams. Golf oh. stream being like some sort of jet, which I assume is like yeah. the cheaper private jet uh, you can buy. Yeah. And yep. now even I'm like, oh god! Imagine being a rapper with a golf stream. That's a but, bit embarrassing. I mean, you remember the Drake Joe Budden line you shared with me of the like Joe Budden, you only fly first class on special occasions. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like, don't get me wrong, I am a hundred percent eat the rich, but that's not yeah. the point of like you know bra- of like you know rich brags. Like the point is mm. to just be the most creative and mm. just it, just be funny and. Anyway, anyway, I feel the same way with horror where it's like, how do you continue to find ways to freak people out that mm. feel unexpected? And dry humping a scarecrow feels both right for this character, but entirely unexpected. And I feel like there's a degree of creativity where um, whatever the criticism of is it family guy of like, you just take two random things and put them together. <laughs> like this is a step past that. Like, yeah. I feel like this is genuinely engaging with the world Pearl sees around her. It's not like how crazy would it be if I suspect it gives us a proper insight into the character. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, from the beginning, what I think this film does is from the beginning, you get a sense that something's wrong with Pearl, but it never outright explains it until hmm. a really pivotal pivotal, amazing moment at the very end. But anyway, okay. So Pearl gets home and her mother realizes that eight cents are missing from the money she gave her. So she withholds her supper and sends her to bed. Classic German mom talk. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's also a moment maybe here. It's not in the Wikipedia synopsis where Mm. it's late at night and Pearl hears her mother just crying in her sleep. And it's not really explained why and the more i think about this film and the more i ruminate on how much i love it you're you're led to believe early on that the mother is just crying about how tough her life is but you actually think maybe she's crying because she knows what pearl is and one of the reasons why she's being domineering and maybe this is a new angle for german mum talk is because <laughs> she's actually kind of protecting the world from pearl but anyway all right pearl's affluent sister-in-law mitzi arrives at the house to visit and Pearl's really excited because she gets to see somebody and they bring her this, like they bring them this giant, like roasted pig, like, like a full roasted pig 
in a giant tray to be like, hey, we brought you this thing. And uh, and uh, Pearl's mum, Ruth, is like, we don't do charity. So they just leave it on the front porch. And this pig slowly rotting becomes a bit of a uh, an icon in this film. Yeah, okay. So anyway, so so Mitzi comes over and she tells Pearl about an audition being held in town for new dancers for a traveling troupe, which is going to travel all around the neighboring states to help cheer people up who are dealing with both the influenza and the war abroad. And Pearl's yeah, really nice. excited because she sees this as a way to get away from the farm. She later sneaks out of the house at night and visits the projectionist who shows her a free ride which is an illicit stag film he acquired in France. He encourages Pearl to pursue her dreams. Pearl comments that she cannot abandon her family and that she wishes they would just die. When Ruth finds a program Pearl took from the movie theater, the two get into a fierce argument over dinner in which Ruth says that Pearl is sick and will hurt people if she ever leaves the farm. Again, like they just do a really good job of just hinting that something's up with Pearl, but never giving away, never showing the full deck of cards. A physical altercation erupts, during which Pearl shoves her mother against the kitchen hearth, igniting her dress and resulting in Ruth suffering life-threatening burns. Pearl tries to save her by pouring boiling hot water over her, which, (laughs) which puts the fire out, but obviously leads her even more scarred than that leaves her even more scarred than before. Pearl then drags Ruth into the basement and then locks the door. And her father, who was sitting at the kitchen table, uh, watched all this happen but couldn't do anything. Uh, she flees to the movie theater where she has sex with a projectionist. In the morning, okay. she decides to leave. The projectionist is like, look, I'll just drive you home. Mm. Drives Pearl back to the farm so she can prepare for the audition. She goes inside, realizes her father is still sitting there from last night, you know, in, uh, in front of the sort of now sort of going, going bad dinner. And uh, basically moves him to the study. He's perturbed by a now maggot infested roasted pig that was left there by Mitzi's mother that's on the porch. And the inconsistencies that Pearl has told him. Like, she basically brings him inside, parades him in front of the dad, then takes him upstairs and is like, let's make out on the bed. He's like, this is weird. Keeps hearing a banging, which is going to be the mother banging on the basement door. And he's basically like, I've kind of got out of here. Like, we've got to get out of here. But when he attempts to leave, Pearl flies into a fit of rage at his abandonment of her too and stabs him to death with a pitchfork before pushing him and his car with the corpse in it into a pond where an alligator she is nicknamed Theta eats his remains. That alligator appears in X. Okay. As sort of the, the, the pet of Pearl. Pearl dresses herself in one of Ruth's lavish gowns and dresses up her father before smothering him to death. Okay. So. This is thrilling, and I feel like... I'm sorry to interrupt, Zach, because I feel like we're building to a denouement and sometimes I worry that you have to do too much heavy lifting on this podcast. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, I tend to feel that what we sometimes think of as elevated horror can be translated in a real shorthand of not over-reliance on jump scares or horrific images. And I feel like this is a nice, like, slow 
burn to, you know, boil to uh, boil over um, sort of scenario where we're not being confronted with, are they over there? Are they over here? Kaboom. We're sort of witnessing the unfolding of a, a drama, essentially, that we've been given a nice satisfying backstory for. I'm, I am in this. Let's go. It's so, I mean, look, and again, you know, we don't do this enough. Credit mm. to the many unnamed Wikipedia writers of yep. this synopsis because it's a thrilling one. Yeah, well done, bravo. So, so you know, we could find out their names really easy, don't you? Yeah. So yeah, it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe in another hundred episodes. So Pearl has uh, essentially set herself up to lead the farm. Right, mm. the mother is basically dead, locked at the bottom of these basement stairs. The dad is now dead. She is dressed in a gown. She's dressed up. She's essentially like, I'm going to go to the, this audition. They're going to love me, and I'm going to go straight to traveling around the world, and that's it. I finally made it. Because the whole way through the film, she's basically mm. like, I'm going to be a star. I'm going to be one of those girls in the movie. You're going to see I, I can be more than this, you know, captive at this farm, at this yep. isolated farm. Pearl arrives at the church where the audition is being held. She gives a dance performance and it's kind of this amazing surreal dance performance where it starts with her, like you, the whole film, you never see her practice dancing once and you're like, oh, she's going to fucking flop. But when she gets on stage, they do that thing. You know that, you know that trend, you know, that meme trend where they'll take a performance music video and they'll strip out the backing track and they'll just put in like sound effects for their heavy breathing and their feet, their feet tapping <laughs> on the ground and stuff. Yeah. It's basically that, right? Like she does this performance. She does this flapper performance where she just fucking gives it her all. She's like the hands and, you know, the, the sort of the, the kicks and the moving around and, you know, yeah. like the, 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 the side to side across the stage. And then it becomes this fantasy where the back curtain opens up and she has all these dancers dressed in like World War One gas masks and they're all sort of coughing and there's there's bombs exploding in the trenches and it's all sort of fake, but yeah. there's there's this elaborate set behind them with bombs exploding. And anyway, she gets to the end and there's fireworks and she's like, ta-da! And it feels like, you know, they cut to the judges and it feels like they're into it. It feels like they're like, oh, this girl's got something. But she's devastated when she is rejected by the main judge for not being young, blonde, or all-American. They're basically like, look, we've already got girls like you. We need someone who's younger, blonder, and a bit all-American. Which okay. her sister-in-law, Mitzi, who came with her to the audition, absolutely is. And as uh. soon as she says that, we know what's going to happen. Mitzi accompanies her home in an attempt to console her. In the kitchen, Pearl gives this soliloquy where it's a single take and it's just unbelievable. Like she won a bunch of genre awards, but this is proper like Academy Award stuff. And I say that like I have any idea how to judge one performance from another, but it's phenomenal. It's funny also of like, do you care as well about the Academy Awards? <laughs> I presume you don't. <laughs> I've never, like, I can't remember the last time I was like, I'm going to sit down and watch yeah. these. Like, why would I? My what most recent trivia is like they gave it to Russell Crowe for Gladiator because they couldn't give it to him for the film the year before. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's like 23-year-old trivia. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, and that it's fucking racist is, the, is my other bit of trivia. So in the kit, Wait, wait, hang on. Is, the, is Gladiator like super racist? 
No, sorry, the Academy. Well, probably, but the Academy, uh, the Academy Awards. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. In the kitchen, Pearl makes a lengthy confession to Mitzi about her resentment toward Howard. So Howard is her husband who went off to fight in the war. Now mm. she basically explains that when she was young. She noticed that there were a lot of farmhands, but she chose Howard because she knew he came from money and all she wanted was a comfortable background. And she's essentially saved himself for Howard, even though she's been tempted. And it's like one of the reasons why she slept with this guy once, but then just sort of ran away. Cause it's like, she's not like sexually repressed. She mm. just wants to get out. She thinks she can be more than this. And everyone is stopping her at every turn. And she even like married this dude who then they didn't end up leaving and going to live in comfort. And he ended up going and fighting in a war anyway. So who came from a privileged background, but insisted that the couple remain on her family's farm and admits she was relieved when she miscarried his child. So she's basically like, I, I was pregnant with this baby and I kind of thought I always wanted to mother to be a mother. But as soon as I became pregnant, it was the last thing I wanted. And I was relieved, you know, when I did miscarry. Yeah, okay. She further confesses her feeling of alienation and insecurity, the pleasure she takes in inflicting pain and to taking the lives of her parents and the projectionist. Pearl then manipulates a stunned Mitzi, who's now just trying to leave, into confessing that she won the audition over Pearl. And then there's just a phenomenal scene in which Mitzi tries to get away. She leaves the front door and the camera is moving backwards along the driveway and as Mitzi leaves, we see Pearl come outside. We notice an axe buried into a log on the side. We know yes. what's coming. We see Mitzi try to run, but she's in sort of like high heels and she's not very athletic. We see Pearl walking with purpose, pick up the axe, walk towards her. She chases her down the driveway and kills her with the axe. Pearl dismembers Mitzi's body and feeds her corpse to Theta. And it's weird because the whole film, they pull back on the gore, but when she actually dismembers the corpse, this is by far the bloodiest and most, like, yeah, it's also okay. quite surreal too. But mm. you, you see this, you, she does this thing, the, 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 Ty West does this thing where he essentially does a reflected image. So we, we see two versions of the same image just reflected as like a mirror image on screen where we watch her, you know, cut the arms and, you know, cut the legs. And, you, you know, we see the cavity where cutting someone open leaves. And we, we essentially see her take these pieces and feed it to Theta before going into the basement and lying with her dead mother. Concluding that her mother was correct and Pearl should really make the best of what she has, she decides to atone for her crimes by creating a comfortable home for Howard when he returns from the war. The next morning... Howard arrives unexpectedly and he walks in like, he's like, hi, honey, I'm back. And like rushes in and he comes into a fully set out meal with the rotting pig as the centerpiece, both yes. the dead father and the dead mother. And they're sort of like pussy corpses sitting at the table. And he's just like horrified. And Pearl arrives from the kitchen and greets him with this protracted pain smile. And let me explain this shot because this is this is the sort of thing where it's like you're like you'll either love it or hate it. But for me, I'm like, oh, this is one of the reasons why this is one of the greatest horror films I've ever seen. She just forced smiles, big eyes, hugely like painful looking expression on her face while the credits roll over her face. And the Ugh. camera just stays on her. 
and it stays. And she doesn't blink. That's the other thing. She does not blink. And you, like even thinking about it now, it's like my eyes water thinking about this. And you are watching her hold this and go through all the pained nature on her face to deal with this. But then the coolest, so that's the end of the film. Yeah. But the coolest part of this, the coolest part of this is that you don't even realize until you go back to X is Howard, who comes home horrified, is the husband Pearl has at the house in uh, X. So he stays with her after this moment. Oh, uh, that's great. Shaq, that must be one of the best. Like, so you've already said it. That's, it's one of the best ones I've heard. That's really satisfying. I just, like, I just, I mean, as a Wikipedia plot synopsis listener, (laughs) um, (laughs) there's a possibility for a good movie to be hidden by poor drafting. And I think that's happened to us from time to time. But... My suspicion is, or and my suspicion is that what we've learned in this synopsis is only amplified by the by its execution, which Shag, based on what you've described to me, seems really good. Like I've got no notes, you know, next time films want to battle this film, come sober. I think it's probably the sole advice I've got. Sick. Amazing. Follow fucking shit on Instagram and shit or fucking whatever. No, it's good. Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?